Hello and welcome to the Foot School Podcast. I'm Andy Brummage. Have you met Barry Fulton yet? If not, you should. Barry is Foot's new head of middle school, and he's a great guy. Barry comes to Foot with deep experience in independent school education and youth leadership. Most recently, he was head of middle school at North Shore Country Day School in Winnetka, Illinois. At Foot, Barry is diving into the middle school program, meeting students, working with teachers, even joining the ninth graders for their Cape Cod retreat. You'll have a chance to catch Barry at one of several upcoming parent coffee gatherings and at Parents' Night on September 30th. We sat down with Barry to learn about his journey in education and about what he sees as the critical elements of a successful middle school. Barry Fulton, welcome to Foot School and to the Foot School podcast. How is your transition going? Thank you so much for the welcome. Um, my transition's going really well. I have been really excited to join the team and the the time between finishing up at North Shore and beginning at Foot on July 1st was um, both nerve-wracking and excitement-inducing. I was, I was just so eager to get started. And so now that I'm started and the first week of school is done and underneath the belt, so to speak, um, I can firmly say it's been a great transition. Um, it's been great getting to know some of the families, the students, um, and of course the faculty and the other members of the administration. It's been um, a dream so far, which is really nice to say. <laughs> You are a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but every superhero has an origin story. Uh, What's yours? What attracted you to being an educator? When was that spark lit, and what is the arc of your career that led you here? Uh, Great question, and I I love that you tied it into Marvel. Um, So, long story a little bit shorter, (laughs) um, is I've always wanted to be a teacher, and as soon as I could, as long as I can remember, I think I must have been five or six, my parents bought me a chalkboard at the time. And the intention was for me to practice my math problems in particular. I was not the greatest math student growing up. And they they wanted me to just practice. And instead... <laughs> Sorry, it makes me laugh. Um, Instead of practicing using the chalkboard, um, I pretended that my two younger siblings, my two younger brothers, were my students. And I would use the chalkboard as like the front of the classroom. And every weekend we'd come home and we'd have like these workbook pages that we'd already done in school. And I would pretend that they were submitting it to me and I would grade the work and hand it back. And I loved it. I'm not (laughs) sure that my brothers did. Um, They still talk about it to this day, but I was having a blast. And my parents knew right away that they, they were raising an educator. Um, I'll say, because I knew so early on what I wanted to do, um, I kept notes as I was growing older and I was experiencing different teaching styles. And I was really inspired by the education I had, particularly in seventh and eighth grade um, at this Catholic school in New York, Immaculate Conception School. And what I really appreciated was being seen. Um, not just as this, you know, Barry Barrington Fulton, 
um, the, the, the student in their class, but also just as the funny, I was into superheroes back then too, you know, um, they saw all of that and they appreciated all of that. Um, and not just me, but all of their students and that, that really stood, stood, stuck, stuck with me. Um, and then when I had the opportunity to teach, I took it. So like, as soon as I could get into the classroom, I was doing it. So, um, transitioned to Regis High School and in senior year there was an opportunity to do like a senior service project and I had seen over the years that there were a number of people and actually I had experienced it myself when I was in um, Immaculate Conception as a seventh and eighth grader that Regis High School seniors would come back and student teach and you know help out and I took that opportunity. So I went back and I worked with the teachers who raised me. Um, and I actually got to work with my brother when he was in seventh grade, which was unique. Um, so that was the chalkboard experience coming full circle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And again, I was having fun. Not so sure that he was, but but I was learning so much. And so went to Williams College, um, took a number of courses in psychology, which there were – that was the opportunity to really dive into developmental psychology and social psych, um, which was where the majority of the educational classes resided at the at the college at that time. Um, and so went to Williams, got my degree in both English and psych, and started teaching right away at the Berkshire School. Um, as an where, English teacher? As an English teacher, yes. And what's interesting, though, is up until that point, I hadn't even heard of boarding schools. I didn't I didn't expect to be teaching in a space where I would be teaching one subject because that was not my experience for elementary school. And I saw myself as an elementary educator for a long time. And, you know, my first job was high school English um, and, and hip-hop dance. And um, it was great. I, you know, I really learned how to teach there as well. So... Um, the rest I could I can go on and on about my my experiences, but um, I've always known that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and now that I'm in now that I'm on the leadership side, that that was also a that was a turning point moment for me, and recognizing that there's a really special opportunity in leadership of schools in that when it's done well, you have a real opportunity to make massive change that also includes people in those changes and helps people grow. And so in very similar ways to the relationship between teacher and student, I am finding myself as a teacher and coworker and partner with the, the teachers to help them be their best selves as they work with our students. Um, and I'll put a period there. What attracted you to Foot in the first place? We we met you last winter by Zoom, which is not the normal way that we would show a candidate around campus. So, what what was it that drew you here, and what was it like to go through that process when you couldn't physically be here? Right, um, it was remarkably different, actually. And um, the first information about Foot came to me through Carney Sando, and reading the job description and also the kind of school that Foot strives to be really stuck with me, and particularly in terms of this idea of inclusivity and really being deliberate about how this place is as inclusive as I'm perceiving it to be even right now. What I feel 
really stuck with me um, throughout the time was just how committed it seemed that everyone, including the students, were to finding the right fit in in whoever they hired. And it came through in the kinds of questions that I was being asked, the sheer number of people who were coming to the open sessions to meet with me. Um, and something that I've said in, in other company is I was really taken aback, might not be the right word, but I was really excited by, I guess, um, just how many lower school faculty came to meet with me. Um, there were just as many middle school faculty, of course, but it was really nice to see that even though this was the interview process for the middle school director, that the lower school faculty felt like they wanted to meet this person too, and they wanted to be a part of the process. Um, I think ultimately, for the sake of the students that they were teaching, and the opportunity to work with this particular leadership team um, was something I couldn't pass up. So I, there was a part of the interview process where I had the opportunity to meet with the leadership team as a whole. And that was a really incredible conversation for me because it was, I was able to see firsthand how you all work together. And I could actually see myself as a part of that crew. Um, and what I'm really pleased to say is now that I'm here, um, I feel like what I saw during my interview with all the constituencies um, is actually what I'm getting. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about that. So you have had a lot of experience uh, teaching uh, the middle school grades and high school, and you've had a lot of different vantage points, teacher, administrator, leader. Um, from the years that you've been doing this, what have you learned about what a successful middle school experience should look like for a child? What do children need at that age? So for me, I feel that the ideal middle school experience is one that offers opportunities for students to grow in, in as many ways as we possibly can. So I spoke with all the sixth graders last week and challenged them to try new things, particularly because this middle school um, is one where they they can try those new things and it's safe to actually make a mistake or for it to not work out and, and to try new things beyond that, right? Um, so I think middle school experiences that offer opportunities to try new things, to try on different identities, so to speak, um, is critical. The other thing that I'll add to that is middle school can seem very scary. In fact, a lot of people will look back on their middle school experience and they're like, ugh, <laughs> like they look back on it with like terror and fear. And what I've said to some students here so far is that it can be really scary, but I'm trying to push students and, and, and faculty over time to kind of change their perception of what middle school can be, right? That yes, there's gonna be a lot of change and that can sometimes feel scary, but ultimately there's so much growth through that discomfort, through the changes that happen. And so my hope is that we can get students in this community and just middle schoolers in general to start looking forward to those changes um, and to lean into the discomfort of trying a new thing. Um, I think that's really critical. The last thing I'll add is everything I've said is kind of wrapped up in this idea of safety. And my hope is that middle school 
in general, and certainly here at Foot, is a space that is safe for all. Um, and I've used the word inclusive during this conversation already, but I will add that it is critical that, that students and their families feel included here and they feel genuinely seen. I think without those pieces, middle school can feel like you're out at sea. And my hope is that, like, let's acknowledge that we're all out at sea together, but that there's support and there's a raft, so to speak, to, to get you to the other side. So last week, you spent several days with our ninth graders during their retreat on Cape Cod. This was part of Project Week. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know what you observed during that experience about the students, the teachers, how they were handling the adventure, and and also some of the challenges of the trip. Mm -hmm. I'm smiling for those of you who can't see me. Um, the, The trip was incredible. And I'll start with the teachers. Um, I was so impressed by by their knowledge of the student body. And that's even with not knowing all of them. Um, and I think a part of that is they, they spent so much time together um, in close quarters, getting to know one another. They were out playing. They were like challenging themselves and the students to to try to take on new things in the, in the way that I think, you know, all middle school should. And I, I was just very impressed that the faculty was so fully present and so dedicated to that trip and being fully present there. Um, on the other side of that, the students wowed me. Like, oh my goodness, with their willingness to just be full. I keep saying fully present, but that is actually what it was. They were, there. yes, there were cell phones on the trip, but th- when when we were together, the cell phones weren't out. And it may be that they, they were, you know, back in the cabins or, you know, in pockets, but students were willing to make the time to get to know one another in ways that I have not seen at, at every school that I've worked at. I'll also add the the ninth grade put in some really good work to prepare for our opening assembly today. And I'm really excited for their leadership of the institution. They already have leaned into the discomfort, so to speak, of getting up in front of the entire community and putting some goals out for the school. And they took time to do to put that all together um, at Cape Cod. And the the other thing that I saw is resilience. And I think that that's, it was true of everyone who went on that trip. There were students who Again, tried new things. They may have stumbled, but ultimately, even trying was celebrated amongst the group. And that is, you can't find that everywhere, um, particularly in, in ninth grade. And um, I think our students are really lucky. You have been deeply involved over the years with the Louis August Jonas Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, which operates Camp Rising Sun. And for those who aren't familiar, the The camp is a full scholarship summer leadership program for teenagers, and they come from more than 30 different countries in 10 U.S. states. How did you first become involved in this program, and and what makes you passionate about the foundation's work? And are you still involved with it? Great question. Um, So I first became involved with it when I was a camper. So um, I was um, nominated to go to Rising Sun and ultimately selected when I was 15, I think, so a long time ago. And 
I was so nervous. It was such a different experience for me. And I, and certainly um, has shaped who I am, um, not just as a leader, but also um, as a as a human being. And, and it has really helped shape um, what I care about um, and what I stand for. The the foundation and it's in the camp is really interesting in that there isn't this formalized guide, so to speak, of like this is how you lead. Instead, there there are some guidelines, of course, but there's an opportunity for every student who's selected to go to the camp to actually run the camp for some portion of a day or an entire day. And the days when I was able to lead, I will never forget, right? Particularly be the, the major lesson about you have a plan, then life gets in the way, and you have to kind of restructure your plan and try again and try try things differently. I What does it mean to lead the camp for a day? <laughs> what would that involve? Goodness gracious. Um, so what it involved is two nights before you would start planning your day. And so essentially the only things that needed to happen when they needed to happen were the three meals. Otherwise we were as the leader of the day responsible for figuring out what else was going to happen. There were some typical times during the day that, that lent themselves to the goals of the program at large. So we had project time, we had instruction time, um, and project time was a, an opportunity to help give back to the camp by either creating some structure at the camp or reinvigorating a structure that had been there for years. Um, and then instruction time was the opportunity for campers and staff alike to teach one another things that they know. Um, so in an ideal world, students at the camp would put those those elements into their day Um but there were also campers who tried brand new things with the day. So, well, there were many, many different ways that you could do that. Um, so that was, I started years and years and years ago um, at Camp Rising Sun. Fell in love with it. Changed my life. I was able to go for two years, um, two summers. And then I worked there in 2003 as their drama counselor and helped them put on a summer performance. And then I took a break and and, um, was in college and started working at Salisbury School instead, doing some summer programming there that was more academic. Um, And so took a break from Rising Sun. But in 2010, um, there was an opening for the camp director position and I applied and got the job. And um, was able to return to a place that I still hold dear as their camp director for a number of years and then program director, etc. Um, and so I stopped doing that work once I became um, the dean of students at the Pingree School. So I had to just I no longer had my summers off to, to work with camp. So it was a, a bittersweet moment. Um but years have passed, and I've stayed connected with the foundation, and I am now serving on its board. So I'm very excited to to continue to do that work, the work of building leaders and encouraging leaders to be their best selves um, as they grow and, and take on positions of power throughout the world. 
You arrived at Foot during a very unusual time, to say the least. Uh, this is now the third school year where we are dealing with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. What's been the most surprising or challenging part of guiding a school during COVID-19 for you? I'll start with surprising. The, the most surprising part of this work is that so much more than before you can't really plan. <laughs> like you have, like there's, there's a lot of um, prep work that you can put in place, and then days just get sidetracked because something comes up that you weren't expecting, or there's a there's a new iteration of of some kind of guideline that you need to incorporate into the work that you're doing. Um, and so, I guess the most surprising part is that a lot of things feel like surprises, even with school's best intentions, I'm speaking generally, right? Um, the best intentions to try to plan forward and plan ahead and be thoughtful. Um, there are things that, that get in the way. Um, the other thing that that I think, so I, I've spoken about the surprises, right? And the surprising pieces that there there's, seems to always be surprises. Um, I think the challenging part of doing this work is recognizing and honoring that people are in different spaces as we manage the way that we hope to interact with one another. There are families who are not quite ready to be a part of a school environment. There are families that are more than ready and, and don't want masks or or families that do want masks but are worried about this other uh, you know piece of protocol. And I think it's really important, and what I've certainly learned throughout all of this is to be a listening ear and to make sure that the guidance that we're getting from medical experts is crystal clear and that we're being transparent about what we're hearing and why we're making the decisions that we're making. And so I'll tie those both together, right? So while there have been surprises for me as I've been leading in this world over the past three years, the the idea of leaning on research and and strong practice has been really helpful in minimizing the number of surprises that there are. Um, but I think what I've learned is to kind of brace for the impact of a surprise and recognize that there may be something that comes out of left field and that we can work on that together um, in an effort to to move forward as a community. What's in store for middle school students and families this year? Is there anything on the calendar in particular that you're look for, looking forward to? Yes. <laughs> um, I'm... I'm really excited to get to know people and to get to know the community. And I'm sure that there are events on the calendar that help us do that. Um, I'm very excited for the parent coffees, um, which I intend to be really informal spaces where I can just meet families and and say hello and get to know people better. Um, I'm also really excited for go to school night, which is not go to school night, <laughs> parent night here. Parents night. Parents night. Um, I'm really excited to see what our faculty does on that, on that evening and how they talk about the, the work that we do as an institution. Um, my hope overall is that I'm a part of a team that brings us closer to normal. Um, and, and, hopefully get everyone to recognize that 
this is a, a one step of many, right, as we move forward together, that this year will not feel like last year. It won't. And my hope is that we're we're still taking every step, every precautionary step to make sure that people are safe here as we try to move forward into a space that feels even more and more like normal. Um, so my hope is that these different events, like the coffees and the parent night, and I'm sure other things that I don't know the names of yet, um, will be spaces where I can learn about it, our community and meet new people and also um, bring us a few steps closer to normal. Well, Barry, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And we will put a period there. That's all for this episode. Remember to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. It will help others discover it. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Foot School Podcasts are a production of The Foot School, an independent school for grades K-9 in New Haven, Connecticut. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It will help other people find our podcast. Find more information at www.footschool.org. Thank you for listening!